0: This is Luke eight twenty six through 39. Jesus and his disciples sailed to the Gerasenes land, which is across the lake from Galilee. As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, a certain man met him. The man was from the city and was possessed by demons. For a long time he had lived among the tombs, naked and homeless. When he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down before him. Then he shouted, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. He said this because Jesus had already commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had taken possession of him. So he would be bound with leg irons and chains and placed under guard. But he would break his restraints, and the demon would force him into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had entered him. They pleaded with him not to order them to go back into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission. And the demons left the man and entered the pigs. The herd rushed down the cliff into the lake and drowned. When those who tended the pigs saw what happened, they ran away and told the story in the city and in the countryside. People came to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully dressed and completely sane. They were filled with awe. Those people who had actually seen what had happened told them how the demon-possessed man had been delivered. Then everyone gathered from the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave their area because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and returned across the lake. The man from whom the demons had gone begged to come along with Jesus as one of his disciples. Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell the story of what God has done for you. So he went throughout the city proclaiming what Jesus had done for him the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God. I have told y'all that I'm an old school lectionary preacher. That means that I look at a calendar. It's a three year calendar, schedule of readings. That some group of folks smarter than I am put together. And, and what it does is every Sunday it gives you an Old Testament lesson, a psalm, which we don't read, an epistle lesson, and a gospel lesson. And I generally will pick one of those three lessons to preach from. Every once in a while, when something big happens, I may go off topic. I may go off lectionary. Sometimes in the summertime, I'll do a a sermon series like I did for y'all last summer with my favorite scriptures. But generally, I I go with the lectionary and I'll pray about which scripture I feel led to, to preach on on a given Sunday. And so I was looking at the scriptures for this Sunday. I I do all of this um, a month at a time. So at the end of May, I'm looking at the scriptures and trying to figure out where I'm going and and what I'm going to say in my last sermons here. And I get to this text. And I feel led to preach it. I'm like, God, really? The Garrison demoniac? This This is what you want me to close out my time at these churches with? And God said yes. Okay, <laughs> I did a little more praying on it. I'm like, okay, Lord, you're going to have to show me what the point is here because I'm not real sure where you're wanting me to go with this story. But I will, I'll show you as we go through the, the sermon about where I feel like this is an appropriate place for us to leave off. There, there are some good things in this story that I think are, are worth taking a look at and, and worth spending time on on our last Sunday together. I want to start with a story from um, an author, John Killinger, who tells a powerful story about a man who is all alone in a hotel room in Canada. The man is in a state of deep depression. He is so depressed that he can't even bring himself to go downstairs to the restaurant to eat. He is a powerful man, usually the chairman of a large shipping company, but at this moment He is absolutely overwhelmed by the pressures and demands of life. And he lies there on a lonely hotel bed far from home, wallowing in self-pity. All of his life he has been fastidious, worrying about everything, anxious and fretful, always fussing and stewing over every detail. And now, at midlife, his anxiety has gotten the best of him even to the extent that it is difficult for him to sleep and to eat. He worries and broods and agonizes about everything. His business, his investments, his decisions, his family, his health, even his dogs. Then, on this day in this Canadian hotel, he craters. He hits bottom. Filled with anxiety, completely immobilized, paralyzed by his emotional despair, unable to leave his room, Lying on his bed, he moans out loud, life isn't worth living this way, I wish I were dead. And then he wonders, what would God think if God heard him talking this way? Speaking aloud again, he says, God, it's a joke, isn't it? Life is nothing but a joke. Suddenly, it occurs to the man that this is the first time he's talked to God since he was a little boy. He is silent for a moment, and then he begins to pray. He describes it like this. I just talked out loud about what a mess my life was in, and how tired I was, and how much I wanted things to be different in my life. And you know what happened next? A voice. I heard a voice say, It doesn't have to be this way. That's all. He went home and talked to his wife about what happened. He talked to his brother, who is a minister, and asked him, Do you think it was God speaking to me? The brother said, Of course. Because that's the message of God to you and to every one of us. That's the message of the Bible. That's why Jesus Christ came into the world to save us, to free us, to deliver us, to change us, and to show us that it doesn't have to be that way. A few days later, the man called his brother and said, You were right. It really has happened. I've done it. I've had a rebirth. I'm a new man. Christ has turned it around for me. Well, the man is still prone to anxiety. He still has to work hard but now he has a source of strength. During the week, he often leaves his work desk and goes to the church near his office. He sits there and prays. He says, it clears my head. It reminds me of who I am and whose I am. Each time as I sit there in the sanctuary, I think back to that day in that hotel room in Canada and how depressed and lonely and lost I felt. And I hear that voice saying, it doesn't have to be that way. That is precisely what this story is all about. That's part of why I wanted to bring it to you this morning. Christ walks into the tormented life of the garrison demoniac, this madman, whose life is coming apart at the seams, and he turns it around for him. He gives him a new beginning, a new start, a new birth. At the beginning of the narrative, it sounds like a horror story. This wild-eyed, adrenaline-filled madman comes running and shrieking out of the tomb. He is completely unbalanced. He is convinced that he is being held captive by a whole legion of demons who are pulling and jerking him in every direction. This is an eerie, grim, suspenseful, frightening situation. Jesus and his disciples have just come through a storm on the Sea of Galilee that had the disciples petrified. It is nighttime and having survived that frightening storm, they are thrilled to set foot on solid ground. The disciples think it's all gonna be okay now. But as they get out of the boat, they encounter a different kind of storm. Yet another scary experience. They hear strange sounds coming from the tomb: shrieks, growls, screams, moans, the rattling of chains. Then suddenly a horrifying sight. A madman with tattered clothes, bruised, Dirty, bloody, and battered with pieces of chains, dangling from his arms and ankles, comes running and screaming directly toward them. Now let me ask you something. What would you have done in that situation? If you had been one of the disciples, what would you have done? I can tell you for myself, I probably would have been beating the fastest trail back to the boat I could come up with. It was a scary moment. It was a perilous place to be. But Jesus stood his ground and faced the madman. Undaunted, unafraid, Jesus stood there and dealt with him. He healed him. He brought peace to his troubled soul. He changed him. He cleansed him. He turned his life around. And the good news this morning is that he can do that for you and for me. Jesus encounters this man, and this man is, he's barely human when we see him at the beginning of the scriptures. He's living in a cemetery. Now, I am not one, I I have my, the the second church that I got at my first appointment, first full-time appointment, had a cemetery out back. Mary Ruth spent hours being walked back and forth in the cemetery because that was the, the closest quiet place to take a fussy baby. And so the ladies of the church who would watch her for me while I preach would take her out and walk her through the cemetery. So I don't generally think of cemeteries as being particularly creepy places. There's lots of good history there. there there's, it, it, it's a testimony to people who have lived and loved and gone to be with the Lord. But this man, they're they're not, they are places for the dead, not for the living. And this man was living in the cemetery. He was living among the tombs. And remember what we know from the resurrection account, from the Easter account. Jesus is laid in a tomb, which is not a, what we consider, what we think of as being a, a hole in the ground. It is a cave. It's a hole in the side of a rock. And he's living in one of those. Naked, out of his mind, screaming, yelling, barely human. And Jesus encounters him. And the first thing Jesus does is attempts to address the problem. He tells the demons to get out of him, And the man does not want any part of this. He says, no, 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 do not mess with me. I, uh-uh, nope. Sometimes it's hard even as bad off as that man was, sometimes it's hard to admit we have a problem. Sometimes it's hard to admit that we need help. There's the old saying that the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. And it may be that for the garrison demoniac, that there was some comfort in the way he was living because he knew that existence. He didn't know what was going to be required of him if he was in his right mind and invited to rejoin society. So, the demons, because there's more than one, he, Jesus asks the man what his name is, and he answers, Legion. Legion was a company of Roman soldiers. Hundreds of Roman soldiers. This is a very, very sick man. Now, whether or not you want to say that he is demon-possessed, or in some cases... I think that that demon possession, what's demon possession in the Bible may well be what we today would call mental illness. Whether you you take one way or the other, the fact of the matter is this man is not well. He is an outcast. He's been cut off from his family. He's been cut off from any kind of meaning. what we would consider any kind of meaningful quality of life. And so... Jesus comes to him and he tells he, he, he negotiates with the Legion of demons there are pigs nearby. Pigs are unclean animals. These would have been belonged to Gentiles. And so Jesus and the demons strike a deal. they can enter the pigs. They enter the pigs and the pigs go over the side of the cliff and promptly drown. The good news is that the man is in his right mind. He is well. He is healthy. For the first time in who knows how long. The people gather around, they, they go, the people who are watching all of this run into the city and tell folks what's happening, and they bring him out there. And by the time they get back out there, the man is clothed and <coughs> sitting there in his right mind, talking with Jesus, probably chit-chatting with the disciples, just as calm as he can be. He's been given a new lease on life. He has the opportunity for a new beginning. You see, when Jesus healed people, in those days it wasn't just the physical healing which was so important But it wasn't just about the physical healing. Physical ailments cut you off from society. They rendered you ritually unclean in a lot of cases. So you were cut off from your family. Sometimes you couldn't live under the same roof as them. You were cut off from any sort of meaningful work. You were thrown out of society. And certainly in this man's case, whatever it was that was wrong with him, He was way out of society. He was gone. And here he has a new lease on life. A new opportunity. We see Jesus bringing good for this man out of what was a horrific situation. Now unfortunately, for the pig herders, this is not good news. <coughs> Perspective matters. Um, there, there was an illustration that I got out of an Old Testament textbook that I, I love to use with my um, college students about the, the different perspectives involved in calling something a miracle. And they use the example of a man being chased by a bear through Yellowstone Park. The man cuts across Old Faithful he gets across it safely, but as the bear crosses Old Faithful, it blows, kills the bear. For the man, it's a miracle. For the bear, it was a tragedy. For the crowd, it was a spectacle. And so in our story this morning, it's a miracle for the man, because he's restored to health and life. For the Pimpers, it was a tragedy. They had just lost a whole lot of livestock, and they are not happy. But they can't deny what's happened to the man. This man that was barely human is dressed and carrying on conversation like he's always been there. They're scared. They don't understand what's happened. And isn't that the way of it sometimes? People don't always understand what God's up to. Truth of the matter is, frequently I don't understand what God is up to, but I trust him. But sometimes it can be scary to follow God. Sometimes we see God work and it's like, oh, how did this happen? What are you going to bring out of this? How is this going to work? And we wonder, and we're scared. The crowd was so scared that they asked Jesus to leave. And notice what he does. He goes. Jesus is not going to force himself on anyone. I will talk occasionally about the divine baseball bat that I feel every so often. Smack me upside the head. But even when I get those reminders from God of, Hey, dummy, you need to do it this way and not that way. Even then, God doesn't force me to do what he's calling me to do. He may give me the reminder, but it's still up to me to make the right decision. And so it is for the crowd. They don't want Jesus there. Jesus, in modern teenage parlance, would have said, peace out. I'm leaving. You don't want me here? I'm not staying. But the man who is saved wants him there very much. He wants to be a disciple. He is so grateful for what God has done for him that he wants to be one of the 12. He wants to be one of the disciples. He wants to be one of those crowds that follows Jesus from place to place. And I love what Jesus says to him. You go home and tell what God has done for you. The man didn't need to travel. He had a mission field right there at home. He needed to go and tell what God had done for him. He had a testimony like none other y'all. And others needed to hear that God could help them. And that's what I wanted to leave y'all with today. The fact that God brings new beginnings, that God can bring wonderful things out of horrible things. Three years ago, I thought my life was over. Three years ago, I thought I was washed up. I thought there's no way that any church is ever going to want a divorced woman preacher. I have no career. I have no livelihood. I have no family. I have nothing. And I cried out to God. And I was wrong. And God has brought me to this place. And y'all, I believe firmly. I promise y'all, and I've told told my girls this because my girls are are not thrilled with the fact that I'm moving, to put it mildly. I have told girls, I would not be doing this were it not for the fact that I believe with all of my heart that God is saying it's time to move. That God is saying the new beginning is now. And so I am stepping out in faith, trusting God, that he's leading me into Louisiana. And I don't necessarily know that that's my final destination either. But I know God knows. And I know God will take care of me, whatever comes in the next years. But right now, God is saying, pull up the tent stakes. It's time to move. And so I'm going into that new beginning. But y'all have a new beginning too. You have a new pastor coming who is excited to see y'all, who wants to do ministry with you, who is going to love you with the love that God has loved her with. So I encourage you to let's try to look at this not as an end but as a beginning, as a new chapter in our story. God has brought us together for a season, and God has good in store for you and for me. My first Sunday here, I preached on Jeremiah 29.11. I added a little more to it than that, but 29.11 was sort of the key verse. Jeremiah says... Jeremiah thinks the world, the the Israelites think the world has come to an end. They had been sent into exile. They think God's abandoned them. They really do. They didn't have any concept of God being able to exist outside of the temple. And when the temple was destroyed and they were sent into exile, they thought it was over. They thought they were done. And God sent word to them through Jeremiah Said to them, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Y'all, that verse is as true as I stand here on my last Sunday as it was when I stood here on my first Sunday. God has plans for me and for you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And so I'm going to leave you with one last task. We've talked about the fact that I I want y'all to love. I want y'all to enjoy the peace that passes all understanding. I want you to be one body in Christ. I want you to have hope. (coughs) And I want you to go home and tell others what God has done for you. Y'all are an amazing church. You are amazing people. You have a wonderful testimony. Go and tell others what God has done for you. Amen.